You are now listening to Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslit. And now, here is your host, Cephas Crosslit. What's up, everybody? About to try to get one in before the year ends, I guess. Once again, going to date myself by saying that along down the year, uh, but it's okay. I'm going to talk about some other stuff just to wrap things up again. If I didn't do that enough last episode. Hey, thanks for joining us. And if you're listening to all of my stuff and you are following me, you're, you know, you're subscribed. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Hope you uh, can one of these days message me, let me know, uh, what you think about the podcast, if you have any questions, if you have any feedback, anything at all. Would love to hear it. If this is helping you at all, you know, if this is entertaining you at all, or if this is really actually helping you, I don't know. So let's just kind of, I know last episode I wanted, I said I was going to wrap it up and put a button on it, but I don't think I was able to do enough justice to just the whole concept of manifesting Christianity. It's almost like, as if I said, oh, you know, uh, manifesting Christianity is like this. And so there you go. You know, big deal, right? Live with it. Something like that. Man, this chair is so creaky. I'm so sorry. Morning, Lord. But once again, let's just go over the kind of like the whole trajectory. This might definitely be the last episode that I ever go through this and after we're going to try to see if we could reformat this show because I just kind of clearly we landed where we kind of wanted to land if you're listening to this podcast because you read the description or you heard the trailer and you're like wow you know that makes a lot of sense to me and I would love to be a part of that uh what I'm talking about would be you know you're listening to my podcast and you're like oh This guy is making some sense. What I'm talking about is you have been trying. Here we go. And listen, before I go along, you've been listening to me. You're like, oh boy, here we go again. But hey, look, if you're a new listener and you are interested in this stuff, I really recommend you to listen to every single episode since episode one till now. Just so you can get get a good background of everything and just see what I'm talking about. Because I think I'm talking about something that it really does matter. So let's say, um, and if not, you know, you're just listening to me because it's entertaining. Thank you. I'd love to just be entertaining. If you are the type of person who you've been going to church or you've been joining a worship group or like, you know, a faith community of some sort, like a Bible study or whatever, and You've been doing it for a while. Like maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you uh, were led to the church in your college years, you know, kind of when you were really susceptible and kind of when you were really growing. And maybe, you know, you just kind of grew up with it the whole time. But you've been in the church for a long time and you've been going through the motions You've had your moments when you were like, wow, I experienced something. Like, wow, that's awesome. That's I, I, love, I, I love being Christian. 
And then you have more moments probably of, what am I doing in here? Like, what is this all about? And what all I'm talking about is, look, if you've been doing it for a long time, you've probably been, you're probably a pastor maybe. That's what I'm talking about. You're probably a pastor or probably a worship leader or probably you were some, someone who worked at a church or you, you served in a, in a team at a church for such a long time. Like a, probably a prayer warrior, one of those. But deep, deep down inside, you just don't get it. It just doesn't really click. And what really does click for you is the relationships you have built. The community that's very enriching, very supportive. Um, skills, you know, different things, connections, networks. But the essence of what you, you do understand about what Christianity is about, you just haven't had that clicking moment. And you've been trying, right? It's not that you've been just sitting around waiting. You've been trying. You've been trying to make yourself sensitive. You've been opening yourself up. You have been withdrawing from trying on your own, quote unquote. Let the let God do all the work. You know, whatever ways that have been your approach, it has been there, but it, there, there has been no movement. Whatever it could be. But you're still at that church or you're still with that group. Are you still holding on? To that denomination, even though there are a lot of things about it where you, you just cannot grasp. And a lot of people were like, hey, you know, just, you know, and they just do like, you know, word gymnastics for you to accept it. And you're like, I guess I got to accept it, sure. But it really doesn't click for you. And all I'm saying is, if that's you, all I am suggesting, if you're looking for a new a new way, I'm not saying give up Christianity, or I might be, but all I'm saying is if you're looking for something that you're not throwing away Christianity, but you are definitely not going into the, the, the same thing that you were trying to be you were trying to do this whole time, right? Then you gotta leave the Christianity that you're in. You got to move away from that church or that faith community. Or that Bible study group or whatever it is that has you tied and you, you just, you cannot be part of that anymore. And I'm not saying give up Christianity, give up your religion and all that. I'm just saying just that group that you have been with, obviously it's not working for you. Obviously it's working for you in the sense of, oh, you have a good community that you have built. You have a good support group, a good prayer group probably. But even all that, you're just kind of like, I just don't get the prayer thing, the whole thing in general. Especially the approach that this specific church that or this specific group that I'm with, the way that they do it, I'm just, just doesn't vibe with me i've been trying this whole time right if this is your sentiment this is what i'm saying you got to break away from that not breaking away from god not breaking away from the bible nothing like that but breaking away from the group that you just just not working out 
And what you got to do is you got to just separate yourself. And you got to keep searching. Go to different churches. Shop around. Stretch. Look at the different things that are out there. Because there are different ways that people talk about God. There are different ways that people talk about Christianity and different approaches that you're probably unaware of. There's probably older traditional ways that you would probably probably blow your mind. You'd be like, wow, I never knew I could experience God this way. You might be someone from like a Protestant and you're like, man, I never did anything like a ritualistic, like Episcopalian type of worship. And you go to one of those and you're like, and you go to one of those without all the hangups that you have as a Protestant. You're like, I don't want to do all this other stuff. You know, uh, like, let's say you're like a um, Presbyterian and you go into a Episcopal, Episcopalian church that has all the, you know, incense and candles and whatever. Without going there with all that hang-up, you go to one of these Episcopalian services, you will be blown away if you just open yourself. Even vice versa. If you've never been to like a Pentecostal church and you go to one of these services just with an open mind, with all the guards put down because you don't want to limit what you want, you know, what the experience is about. So every time you go to these services, worship services, it's just another way that you're going to be, wow, I want to encounter God and new experience. Hopefully, right? You can go there. Guarantee you'll, you'll be, you will see some stuff and you'll be like, wow, that's very, it's very beneficial and enriching to, this, to your faith. So look around. Move away from that group that you were with and you're like, man, I don't get it. And go find it. Listen to other pastors. Listen to other leaders. Whatever. Go to other churches. Most of all, really do your own research. This is what you call the absorb step. Absorbing the word of God. Absorbing messages of God. Reading the Bible and humility waiting for it, you know, and just not in a rush, you know, just growing as you are praying in new ways, even, you know, all these different ways. The biggest part that I think I've, I feel that people don't really understand is that why I stay on the next step, which is called contextualization. I mean, you, you need to be able to contextualize every moment of your life. Not as if it's, oh, you know, I need to do it because this is the only way I'm a good person. But no, it's just, it's just something in, that has to be done. There's no way that you can say, oh, I'm a Christian. And you live a life where you, you feel as if it's all about you and your context. Right. And so you don't care about what everyone else, what, what everything else is going on. It's just about you just putting your blinders on. No, you can. It's impossible to say, I'm, I'm a believer in follower of Christ and the principles of Christ. Yet I don't want to care about what other people might be going through. And so I'm just going to do as I do. No, that's kind of not how it is. All right. 
So in order to be like Christ, you need to be able to put the walls down. And the contextualization, that, that stage con con contextualize, contextualization, whatever, this step is very crucial. And it's... It's not about you just accepting things just because you want to be lovey-dovey and you want to be accepting of everything. It's not about that. But it kind of has to be about that. Because if you're going to come at a way in every and any situation with an agenda, with some sort of Christian, quote-unquote, Christian agenda... What I mean by that is that when you when you somehow learn and you grow up in just about a every church out there who are quote unquote evangelical, right? They're they have a main mission, which is to preach the word and save souls, quote unquote, right? A lot of people who are Christian or grew up Christian or in these communities right now. They definitely, majority, I would say like more than enough, more than, than we want to believe. Understand Christian life to be about that, you know, that every moment needs to have some sort of purpose. Like, oh, I'm a Christian, so my life has purpose now, so every moment needs to be meaningful. Some, for, for some reason, they feel like that has to be the rule every moment has to have a purpose now now that i'm a christian i don't know where they get these there's a lot of people who don't believe in this all right but somewhere or another people feel like this deep down inside if they're a christian they, and then they feel like you know the way that i approach the world and people and and events and decisions in my life have to be centered around a certain concept and this is where I feel people get it wrong. And this is why I feel contextual contextualization and the, you know, and just going through the step of that really does come into play. Because you cannot put people in in their context. yet respond to them or react to them or kind of direct at them this overbearing hmm how do how's the best way to say it this overbearing need to be right i guess we're gonna flush that out as i keep talking i feel what am i talking about here you know um as a general christian every move every you know decision ought to be about praising god or giving glory to God, whatever these phrases mean, giving glory to God, everything in my life, right? Um, everything should be for, you know, whatever, all that, whatever that means. And so I feel people get at life 
with that agenda, which is, I want to be a doctor so that I could, you know, heal people because I know that God gave me this interest and passion to help people. And so you kind of go off that and then, you know, you, you say, yeah, that, that is the reason why I want to be a doctor. And you, you, you don't want to face the fact that it's not that. That's not the real reason. But you want to use that as one of your crutches to say, okay, this is one of the reasons why I should be a doctor. But it's mostly because, you know, you want to have a good job. You want to be able to, you know, afford things. You want to be able to be your status to be well, well liked, you know. There are many different reasons why people become a doctor, but you want to say, oh, it's because of God, you know. There's that agenda then. Because it's almost as if you're avoiding the reality of things and and you want to kind of blame God in, in that way. Even if it's a positive thing, you want to say, oh, it's because of God. Say, like, well, why don't you take God out of this? Okay, yeah, we all agree it's about God. But let's just take that out of the whole reasons why you want to do what you're doing in life. And what is what is the real reason that you want to do what you're doing in life? Let's just talk about that. Why does it have to have be about God in this forced way? Does, does that make sense? People kind of have to force it out. Like, oh, it's because about God. That's why I'm a lawyer. Because there's justice. God made God, 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 law, Bible. It's all about the precepts and whatever. I love your I love the law of the Lord. Reading the Bible, you know, and, you know. It's like, why don't you take that out of the picture? What's the real reason? Stop kind of being religiously fake, announcing to the world that your 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 decision of vocation has to do with the real spiritual meaning. Like, why did why do we even need to know about that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who cares? You're going to be a lawyer, a doctor. You're going to be some prestigious kind of career position. That's great. Well, you don't have to say anything about God. Why would you have to say that you're doing this job for God? Listen, if you're a Christian or you claim to be, I feel you don't need to give an excuse or a reason for the way you live. Why? <laughs> Who said you needed to? Who's asking these questions? And if they are asking these questions, what the hell? Like, that's like a private issue, don't you think? Get off. So there's that agenda, right? Of living your life a certain way because it's all for this stuff. But it's like, then you, you start to become that person where you kind of throw your whole life away because you claim God, right? And you kind of go off this whole route and you're just like, oh, because of God. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I'm not buying it. Um, so that's one way. Another way would be the people that you meet and react to and, and interact with on a daily basis or even just in your life, right? In general. If you are getting, if you are looking at people in this general way that a lot of people learn, of you look at someone as someone to be saved or someone who has been saved, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird to always like meet Christians who, who have this view and they just don't get that they have it. They just don't get that they have been given this filter and they think that that's what it makes them Christian. Just because they have this kind of lifestyle that they have been sort of taught to, to live as a Christian and say, oh, that's what makes me Christian is because I live in a way where I look at people as targets, whether they are targets of they need to be saved or they have already been saved. It's like, so you're, you're let, let's just cut the crap and just say what it is. You just want to make sure that you belong to a secret group and other people, you know, they know the code to get in and you know who is who. If someone belongs to a secret group or not. It's so dumb. But to live your life in that way where every person that you interact with, right, or you get even get guilty if you don't act like this. You're like, oh, I, I didn't reach out to everyone as if I wanted them to be saved. And, and then you go to a lot of church and you feel so bad because they're like, oh, how many people have you saved? How many have you been a witness to? You know, really these days it has really gone downhill with all that, like evangelization, right? It used to be about people going up to people face to face, but over time it has been done so much and oversaturated in the culture and in the Western culture, and even globally these days, it's like now it's all about, you know, you know, you've been here and, you know, for the past few decades, like, oh, evangelization isn't always about that. It's, it's also about building a relationship. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's not all about getting in your face and saying, oh, you know, you might go to hell. You know, you should believe in God now. You should believe in Jesus now. Repent and do the prayer. It's not about that. But a lot of people they live in that Christian agenda. Yet to put people in, in their own context. If you're putting somebody else in their own context before you react to them, before you talk or make a statement about them, yet above looking at their context, you're already kind of in this agenda, like, no, you are not a human being that I regard and I just, I look at you as a human first, you know, and then, you know, I can possibly from there see like, hey, are you even a Christian? Oh, okay, great. But the first layer, like the immediate layer is, is, is all about you know, like, are you Christian? Do you need to be saved? And, and that's what I'm talking about. Contextualization is going to be, this step of contextualization is almost impossible if you're getting at people with this agenda. And that's why I call it contextualization because if you could put people into their context and you are Christian, 
you say you are Christian at least, there is no way that, that you cannot have empathy and sympathy towards who they are as a person first. Not as this other filter that you're putting in your lens say, this is why I'm Christian because I look at people this way. Because I look at people as targets of evangelization or not. Instead of saying that's why you're Christian, let's just say who the F cares about that in the first place. You're talking about a human being here and your statements, your interaction, your reactions to whoever they are and whatever situation it is with you and this person. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be about, you know, you are an object of evangelization first or you're not. I don't know. It should be more, hey, you're a person. What's up? I'm a person too, you know? And to do truly contextualize people in that way will be get, take, taking away this agenda, this Christian agenda that I want to call it. Because I feel that Christian agenda isn't very Christian at all in that sense. It's intrusive. It's overbearing. It's annoying. It's awkward. It makes Christians look bad. It really does. And it makes it hard. You know, you could have these moments where you're like, oh, I was so bold and I did this and I, I said this to this person and this person changed. They said they would be very interested to go to church. It's like, well, then you just basically shock and awed somebody into going to church. And, you know, how long is that going to last? You know, with the bells and whistles and all that. Guess what? Coming from a Pentecostal church, as a pastor from a Pentecost, it doesn't last that long. If it takes bells and whistles and fun things and shock and awe to get people to come to God, all that they need is to get bored of that and then just keep waiting for that next shock and awe or the next bell and whistle to come out just to keep them going. It's a flawed system if you do that. But rather getting to know people, coming to them at their level. This is this is a Christ model. Christ came to earth. Philippians 2, right? In humility came. Uh, he had all of this glory, yet brought himself to be lower than a human, a slave, right? A servant. So it's not about us looking over people and looking down on people. It's about us coming to people at their level and, may I add, possibly going under their level and looking up to them. Not us looking down on people. So contextualization, I felt like I had to really kind of come back to that topic. And I'm so glad that I did. And I, I hope that makes a lot of sense. The Christian agenda of all this stuff. And so once you're able to open yourself up in that sense, hopefully you are. It's hard. It is hard to become that open to people when you're coming from such a closed, closed space. But once you realize that you have been in this closed space on behalf of the name, in, in the name of God, whatever reason you are distancing yourself and creating gaps in between you and people in the name of God, whatever that reason was, I don't know. But once you realize that and you start to work on that, you will be open to any possibility 
any person. And now you are almost limitless rather than limited <laughs> as a Christian. A lot of Christians feel like, oh, being Christian, oh, it's a special group. But what happens is you you have no reach, right? You end up not being able to talk to people, not being able to be like Jesus. You want to be so exclusive, so exclusive and holier than thou. You think you're reaching out to people, but when you reach out to people with that agenda, people see that. It's like, what are you doing even talking to them if you're going to be like that? What are you doing spending all this money and time going to different seminaries and stuff if you're going to be taught this, this way? To be un-Christ-like. Blocking yourself off from people. Limiting the movement of the Spirit. Every situation, every, every decision you make is by some sort of agenda. Rather than looking at it in reality and, and you know, taking responsibility on yourself and what it really is instead of just throwing it at God. So the next step after this is what you're seeing is you're, you're becoming this super sensitive person to the things of God because you're already absorbing. You are taking in. And you're just like a sponge, right? You're, all the words of God, the prayers in your life. You're going to different churches and those things are enriching your life. You're making sure that you're researching all, all your stuff on your own too. Because this is life or death for you. And if you were this kind of sponge, this absorption of Christ and the words of God and everything. And then you are also now opening yourself up. Not only to things in your life, but also people in your life. You have now just conquered, I feel, a big portion of what a lot of Christians have a struggle with. And that is being a real person who loves God. And not being a person who is just kind of running around with this agenda. And guess what? The next step is not about, oh, you just live in that. It's about, well, hey, what do you want to do with this faith-filled, kind of spirit-injected life where you are, where you're so in love with the Bible? Well, you're just so sensitive and you're open to see God and just people that you talk to in the decisions that you in, in just your daily life. You see somehow Christ is moving and you don't know what it is, but you're like, yeah, I know it is. And you're not a fanatic. You're, you're just the way that you're reading the Bible now. It's more real to you. The way that you're praying to God, whatever it is, you're doing something different. You're probably doing the same things or, or you're trying something different is really working for you. But now the next step would be to envision what your life would be like. Would you like to help people in missions possibly? And you're like, oh, I, I can't get there. Well, what do you mean you can't get there? You... You are doing whatever you want 
in this new light, you can be helpful as a role in a mission somehow. But you got to really think about it. How would that be? Oh, you never went to seminary. Oh, don't worry. You don't need to be a seminarian to be a missionary. Oh, you don't want to spend, you know, your time out there outside of America. It's okay. But you want to be part of some sort of missions, right? Well, that passion will take you there eventually. Think about it. So all these questions I'm asking about this specific one little question is the way you should, that's one way you can approach it. I'm not saying you should do it like this. But all I'm trying to get at is envisioning is nothing is nothing small. It's something big. But it's also something that anyone can do. And you shouldn't be limited to what you think that you can do for, for, for the world in the name of Christ. You want to start a church? Hey, who says you can't start a church? You really don't have to be a seminarian to be a pastor. You just have to love the word of God. You just have to love people. Envisioning, this is kind of like if you want to create your life, what would you want your life to be like? But in a sense of your spiritual life slash faith, right? Would you would you love to be this kind of teaching person? Well, hey, seriously, it just takes one person to teach. Would you like to, you know, just help people in some way or another? Look, all I'm saying is envisioning is what a lot of Christians do not do because they're stuck. They feel like they can't do anything and that they're stuck with just doing one thing in one way. Like I was saying, oh, I want to be a doctor for God. Like, what are you talking about? Like, just be a doctor. But what are you going to do for God? What do you want to do for God? Well, kind of want to be a worship leader, but, you know, I feel like being a doctor is the way. Be a worship leader. What's stopping you? I don't know how to play an instrument. Well, just do it. Learn an instrument. Listen, people are just kind of stuck. And saying, like, I, I want to do this for God. I want to live my life like this. I want my spiritual life to be like this. But I am, you know, I can't get in, you know, this and this is in the way. This is in my life. I'm, I, you know, I'm going through this right now. And I'm just like, okay. But what? when you're ready, then all I'm saying is it's there. It's available. Nothing. Nothing is stopping you. Nothing is stopping you. As long as you have the passion for God, as long as you have the Word of God just kind of in your veins, just kind of pumping through your 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 body in, in a way where you're you're absorbing it, right? And you're open to people, you're open to the world. Guess what? What you envision in life, and when you're in that kind of zone, it it it, it does happen. 
the things that you envision, it comes to pass. And this is that last step. Because this envision kind of works as if it's anybody, anyone. Give me give give you another example. Let's say like you want you want the kids in your neighborhood. Let's say maybe you live in a rundown neighborhood. You want the kids to be okay. You want to make sure they have food. But you're not part of an organization. Listen, all I'm saying is it's kind of like good old-fashioned gumption. Like this is kind of like it's not it shouldn't be like a Christian podcast <laughs> step by step, last step, but kind of is. Envision is not the last step manifest is, but envision leads to manifesting. Because let's say if you want to get the kids in your ma- in your neighborhood to be fed, you're not part of a big orga- organization and you have no other means to be part of one. You pray long enough, you'll find a way to move yourself to collect a few cans. Maybe not yourself. Maybe you're immobile. Maybe you don't live in that neighborhood. You'll find a way to make it happen. Because if you don't, then what you praying all that for anyways? What you doing all that time concerned about something anyways? And so, in many ways, it's, it's go, it kind of goes along the same path as one of those old sermons where it says, you want God to do a miracle in your life? Well, guess what? You are the miracle. So if you're going to keep praying for somebody, you're going to keep praying for something in your life, you're going to focus on that so much, right? Eventually, something's going to happen about it. It's going to happen. And it's going to manifest. This envisioning is just, that's why envision is so important, but it's so hard to explain how important it is until you see how it is connected with the manifestation. And in that sense, literally, anything is possible if you think about it. And that's why I say it's manifest Christianity. The Christian life that you have always wanted. It comes from that. And I'm not saying this is like some secret thing. It's almost as if I just kind of wrote it for you. You knew this stuff. You know this stuff, don't you? And if you don't, I'm so sorry. It took me a while to get it. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Hopefully you can get it. The majority of Christians out there, they're uptight. They can't go out of their limitations that they have built for themselves. They can't see past whatever the leader is telling them, so they have no vision. They can't see past the whatever blockades that they have built, the walls that they have built because of certain weird concepts. And so they cannot vision, envision for themselves what their Christian life could be. And so there as a result, they are not able to manifest or see the things of Christ manifest in their lives. And therefore they're miserable. They live their life in utter, like, just... Darkness, like they they don't see God every day. They don't see God at work. 
But if you are truly in the word, you're absorbing, you are letting down your walls, you are opening, you are seeing things, not as they are right now, but what they could be, right? And this is a regular thing in, in your life? Look, I'm not saying it happens like every single day. You're like, oh, I manifest Christianity. I want a car. And it pops right in for a manifest. No, of course I'm not talking about that. But the way that you see things now is different. Because you're no longer about the agenda. It's about you want to know what the context is. That's a real person. You're no longer getting... So you're basically getting rid of this weird agenda. And you're becoming a real person who loves God. Who also loves people. Right? You can't say I love God and say like, oh, this person is made in the image of God. But you come at them as, as if they're a target. First thing, that's all you do. Now you come at them as a human being because that's who you are too. And you, they're created in the image of God just as you are. All right? So manifesting Christianity. It's kind of like, I kind of want to say it's all in your head really at that point. But it's more than that. It takes, it takes, I, I want to say, a long time of living in this kind of way. So you can't do it like in two months and be like, oh, I've been absorbing the Bible for two months. And I've been contextualizing and I've been envisioning. It's been a few months. I'm not manifesting Christianity. It, well, I want to maybe say, you're trying to force it out too much, all right? That's like a square peg trying to go into a circle hole. If you've been listening to me, it's all about waiting. It's all about enjoying the process, all right? If you want the things of Christ to manifest in your life, they will. But you need to know how to do it. I know I didn't talk much about theology, much about, you know, ecclesiology, pneumatology, a lot of things, and I just kind of threw out a lot of anecdotals a lot of experiences, a lot of I said, this and that. But we'll kind of get into all this other stuff later. But I just want to let you know that these steps are very important. Thanks for listening, by the way. I'm sure there are thousands of people who have their own approach to Christianity. And I'm just one voice out of thousands, millions even. So I just want to thank you for listening. And taking me seriously if you haven't just been entertained. But I feel that it's a, it's a big issue for a lot of people who are Christian. They are a horrible witness. And they think that they're doing something good when in reality they're not. They're not. When you look at people and you're not contextualizing in the truest way, but you kind of have that layer on top of that, your filter, right? That's That's wrong. Like, why would you... Why don't you do that? You know, don't don't look at people like that. That's, gosh, like no wonder people don't like Christians. Wouldn't you hate it if people did that to you? Like, you say you wouldn't, but it's it's inhumane. All right. <clears throat> trying to think about if there's anything else that I missed. If there's anything I could say, because yeah, this is def. I think I did kind of say everything. <clears throat> this is definitely the last button on this. <clears throat> episodes after this will kind of we'll kind of dabble in and out of 
of this manifest Christianity approach. And I just want to kind of look at different things now, right? But personally, in my life, I have moments throughout every day. It might not be a lot in some days, but I definitely have moments where I can experience God. Whether it's like an experience where it's like it affects me physically and I'm just like, you know, I do feel them. Or it's like something that I think about that I see or that I, I see differently. Maybe it's a thought from another day that I think about again. It pertains to what I'm doing at the moment. But it's about, usually, most of it, they're always about in the context of Christ and just the work that Christ is doing in my life. And that's manifesting Christianity for me. And that's the kind of Christianity that I am trying to tell people is possible. There is freedom in this kind of Christianity. Because you're no longer bound to the limitations of whatever denomination or whatever, you know, historical, traditional view that the groups that you were with held on to. And things that were taboo, things that were held in as a stigma, no longer as a stigma. And you, you can explore, you can, you can, you can reach out and bring the love of God to more people and to more places. So what makes you Christian is not the filter of life that you choose to put in front of you. It's not that. It's from within, not from without. So you have all the confidence and all the love of God inside of you. There's no reason for you to project that stuff to people in, in a way where it's like an agenda. You could project something to other people and that would be love. That would be trying to understand, trying to, you know, bring some sort of connection rather than breaking apart, right? And that's manifesting Christianity in your life. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, talk about some church stuff, and then go over a reading of the Bible books or something. All right. Hey, we're back. Um, Just some quick blurb about something that kind of irks or kind of annoys me about the church that I go to. And it's all about this pageantry, um, especially during this time where people are staying home and you can't even go to church and have a real pageant type of performance stuff going on at the church. But Korean churches in general, I feel they have the, they go all out. To the point where I feel that they do these presentations not out of any Christian reason, but more out of, oh, it's the arts, you know, we want to be highbrow, high, high culture, you know, and so we're allowing this to happen in our church. They have orchestras, they have 
interpretive dance. They have, you know, this and that, you know, basically a talent show. And they say, oh, it's for the glory of God. But you'd be surprised. The person playing the flute at your orchestra in the church, if it's a medium-sized to bigger church, they're getting paid. Yeah, that's where your tithes go to. That's where your offerings go to. Did you know that? I was a youth pastor at a church once, and there were a handful of kids I've never seen because they would never be at the church at the time that we had our youth services. But they actually were there. But you know where they were? They were in the adults service with the adults getting paid to play the violin or cello or so, whatever during the offering song time. And whenever the kids were done, you know, I finished the youth service. They didn't know any of the kids yet. You know, that's what's happening. And during the Christmas time, it goes nuts. Like, everyone wants to make sure that they get a chance to show off to people their talents. So, oh, look at me. I could sing. Look at me. I can play this instrument. Oh, look at our band. Look at our group. We could do this f fun performance or whatever. And it really becomes a big mess, especially when you're trying to um, put together a service, but also uh, show honor and, you know, Give some time to everyone. But then if everyone was performing during the Christmas service, there would be no message. It would just be a bunch of performances, which it actually turns out to be the case. And so in that sense, it was definitely a doozy this year um, because everyone did a Zoom type of thing. Everyone was in the square singing, and you're just like, oh, gosh, how many more of these zoom orchestra you know choir things can i see and it's it's just uh, amazing how annoying just just the whole need to do it it was like a, a quota and I'm, I'm just like can't you go one year without doing this whole pageantry stuff no obviously they couldn't they had to make it work for the YouTube online service and they made it work and what you got here was back to back like four songs but four different choirs but they were all in boxes you know the little squares and there were all the little faces singing and just like okay like and you could just feel everyone watching this Christmas service trying to convince themselves at how awesome it is and how great it sounds. But in reality, it's just like, what the F are we watching? <laughs> but yeah, that's that. Hey, let's go into our reading of the Bible. We're going to do another short book. Last time I did Jonah, but it's because I feel like if I start a book, you know, and just do like chapter by chapter, it better be part of the regular show and I and since I'm kind of ending this segment of the first part of just getting to understand what my approach to manifest Christianity is um I'm not gonna do like oh chapter one of this long book so I'm, I'm just gonna do one book just like I did last uh, episode and we're just gonna call it a day and I hope you enjoy the rest of whatever this year is and then um listen to me some more Share this podcast, all right? We're going to go to the book of Philemon. 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 
I don't know, man. Let's do this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith towards the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty. Yet I would rather appear, uh, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during Im- during my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to both to you. And to me, I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I will say nothing. I say nothing about your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother. Let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. One more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through through your prayers to be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Hey, that was the book of Philemon. All right, well, um, that was interesting. Uh, I t- it's a, it's a, it's an interesting book. It's a story that is told really quickly. Supposedly, Paul is writing to someone who had a wrong, you know, had a bad altercation with a guy named Onesimus or some person who happened to be a runaway slave, I guess. And Paul basically exerts his force on this person he's writing to and basically doesn't give him a choice. Just guilt trips, guilt trips him into saying, into basically freeing this guy of any slave um, occupation or ties. 
So, yeah, it's an interesting book. Useful. The word onismus, name onismus, it's like a wordplay of useful or useless stuff you learn in Bible college. Um, Adam, people say that this is a good example of, I don't know, how you should treat a slave. What you, but it's weird because you look at this in the sense of, um, modern life you know a slave would be the worker the boss would be the master like what what do you do if the worker does the wrong do you just let him go free you know that's basically what's happening this guy onismus didn't do the right thing but paul's basically saying a forgive him which is great very christian-like but when you equate that to today's society would you do that i don't know I don't know. That's very interesting, right? I'm writing this with my own hand. They said that they they were saying they people that I read when I used to go to Bible college and did the research, or whatever. This was kind of their way of signing. They had a specific way of signing their name. Anyways, I hope you are enjoying this podcast. I'll be coming hopefully up with more episodes and a new kind of trajectory of this show because we just finished what my manifest Christianity approach is. So after this, I will be referring to the first 18 episodes, which includes this episode, uh, to any sort of conversation that I start, discussion that I start from here on out. So I hope you had a great time listening. Please listen to my other show. It's really cool. I just did another episode. It's called Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslet. I just did one about altar calls and being slain by the spirit. I think that's a really fun episode to listen to. So um and if that's not if there's nothing else for me to talk about now. Well, hey, I would love any messages from you, the listener. Manifestchristianity at gmail.com. Seriously, I would love to hear if this is helping you out in any way, really, or if this is doing anything, all right? Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. You have been listening to Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslit.